everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in dining room studios with someone that I've known for a very, very, very long time, but kind of been out of touch with for a while. And I'm very excited to be seen in person again. Monique Powell of the band Save Ferris. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Two hellos. Wonderful to be here. So good to see you. It's great to see you too, Allison. You're you're more punk than you were last time. I feel like you've <laughs> changed your look in these twenty years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it happens. Twenty years go by, and you know, occasionally <laughs> things change. <laughs> so here's uh, what I well. First, let me explain to the listeners how I know you. Um, initially, I think I interviewed you for whatever I was writing for at the time, and I don't. I, I know I interviewed you guys more than once. And I'm yeah. trying to remember. And then when I was in a band, I know we, we all hung out once or twice. We went yeah. to sushi and we went to a party. Mm-hmm. Sushi and a party. And I also know that Yami, my bass player, and I, I don't know if it was at the end of that night. You were, were you living at like Marriott residences for a little while? Courtyard suites? Something. It was something kind in of- In LA? No. I, f- oh, I feel like it was in Orange County, but I could be wrong. Um. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe for a short time, like when we were writing a record. Okay. Because I lived in LA, so I was probably, yeah, I was probably like staying down there mm-hmm. while we were writing. Yeah. I think it was like, was it Mean Street Magazine or was well, it? Well, that was OC Weekly. It was either Mean Street or OC Weekly. I don't know, yeah. but I, I think I interviewed you in Fullerton at, is it, was it called the Hub Coffee oh, House? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. It's still maybe. there. It is? I think it's still there, yeah. I think it turned into the slide bar oh, that's owned it. by the guys from Lit. That's it, yeah. Who I know because I just looked at your Wikipedia page, you toured with them. Yeah, yes. yeah, a long time ago. Okay, so yeah. f- so fill me in because all the stuff I'm talking about was many, many years ago. And then now you're performing again as Safe Ferris. Yeah. How... D- so I need to know how that all happened. I also need to know like what happened in, in all the years in between what, what you were doing. And also, I just like probably 20 minutes ago started reading some stuff. And now I realize like there, it, there was some unpleasantness yeah. that happened recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't feel so recent anymore. It's kind of, you know, old news in the past and we've all moved on. But um how long do we have? Because I really enjoy talking about me. And if we're going to cover like 20 years, then. I mean, just start at the beginning. I, <laughs> I was born a young, <laughs> poor child. Um, so where did we leave off? Uh, you know, Say Ferris basically stopped playing in 2003. Um, and then I needed a break for a little while. Um, cause I spent a lot of time on the road and coming back into life was, um, weird, you know, mm-hmm. like I hadn't driven a car. I hadn't unpacked my boxes in six years. I had an apartment. I didn't even, <laughs> I hadn't even furnished, you know, right. um, I was completely estranged from all my friends and my family, um, because I made my work more important than anything else and um and it was totally worth the sacrifice in a lot of ways you know but now that i'm older i think those are things i would never sacrifice again you know right so um so probably about like the next 10 years i did mostly studio work 
um, sang on a bunch of records and, uh, got into some like little projects, um, some little like cover band projects and other band projects just to sort of like keep my chops up, Mm -hmm. you know? And there was always this, uh, sort of voice in the back of my head, which really was the voice of my dad who was like, you need to get back on stage. When are you going to get back on stage? When are you going to da, 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 da? And it was really annoying, <laughs> but he was right. <laughs> and then now, was he saying that because he knows you and knows that that's what makes you happy? Or was he saying that because he wants you to be successful? I think it was both. Um, I think it was definitely both. I think mm-hmm. he, he knew that I was happiest, uh, being, you know, performing, right. um, because, um, that's just an area that I makes me really, it does. It just makes me really happy. It's an area of my career that makes me happiest. Um, singing is always fun and singing on records is fun and playing in a band is fun, but the performing part is really, I feel like, you know, what I was born to do, darling. So, <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> so uh, in 2013, I um, got this crazy health diagnosis. Um, I had just gotten married, and because of that, I, I got some great insurance. <laughs> and I decided to finally check on those spine issues I had been having for 15 years since I was on the road last. And uh, so I finally got some imaging done and some MRIs. And uh, and uh, so it was my lower back and my neck that I had had problems with uh, intermittently for years. And the problems just continued to get more and more weird, mm-hmm. you know, like things like, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and there would be a huge swollen hump on the back of my neck and I would be in excruciating pain. I didn't understand what was happening. And so I got some imaging and I basically had three doctors tell me that my my neck was just disintegrating and um, shards of bone had embedded themselves into my spinal cord and then the spinal cord doesn't regenerate and typically for this type of surgery they go through the front of the neck and the it would have been considered like a four level surgery and I would never sing again if they went through the front but but if they didn't do the surgery I had only a few years maybe left to walk because I had neuropathy mm-hmm. on the right side of my body, which I still have because, again, the damage is still there. But Had you injured yourself or was it just like a congenital thing? They believe it's congenital, um, but I'm sure it also has to do a lot with just not, you know, just performing with reckless abandon mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, um, and not really caring about, you know, Oh, something just cracked in my neck. Like, <laughs> right. We just keep going, you know. And I had, uh, you know, thrown out some discs. I had burst some discs in my lower back, um, which we also needed to address. But they said at that time, uh, we're not even going to think about that right now because <laughs> this neck issue is a lot more important. So, so yeah. So I had a few doctors say to me, um, in no uncertain terms do you want to sing or do you want to walk? And um, I remember one doctor just saying, like, how long has it been since you put out a record anyway? Does it really matter? 
Jeez. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, you just pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm just going to be that crazy person that finds that doctor that's just crazy enough to go like, we don't usually do this, but we're going to figure it out and go through the back of your neck. Mm -hmm. So I did. I found a great doctor, a team. And um, how did you find them? Just a lot of research. Um, I'm sort of like um, obsessive when it comes to, you know, (laughs) like I find something, I become very laser focused on it and I um, don't take no for an answer. And I I just say there's always a solution and I figure it out, Mm -hmm. you know? So I did. It took some time and some patience and some tears, you know? But a lot of support from my sister and my husband and my family. And as I was getting all like done up for the surgery, um, you know, they just shaved my head and Aww. put screws like in my head <laughs> to keep me stable. And I just remember, <clears throat> and I'm in the same hospital I was born at, which oh, is wow. really cool. I was at Cedars. And uh, I just thought, all right, I've never done this before, but God, whoever you are, um, if I wake up and I can walk and sing and um, do all the other things that I used to do before the surgery, then I'm going to bring the band back. So, Were you super scared? I was terrified. I mean, I never told anybody how scared I was, but I was, I was really terrified. And uh, the recovery was the reason why they don't typically do the surgery through the back, particularly for someone my age. Uh, it's just because the recovery is really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally had to learn how to hold my head up again. And that took a lot of work. Um, so I had the surgery and, uh, you know, I had to keep up my end of the bargain, I guess, with like God or whoever (laughs) it is that I made this, you know, invisible promise to. And so I decided I was going to bring the band back. And, you know, I um, was really looking forward to playing with the ex-members and uh, just didn't work out that way. And uh, had you kept in touch with them over the years? Not really. Not really. Uh, there's a lot of unresolve, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, why not? Why not get some closure too? Like, right. why not get some peace? Um, because some of the best years of my life I spent with those guys on the road. Some of the best memories I have of my life I have with them. So, um you know, that was my idea and my plan and it just didn't work out. And, you know, unfortunately things that happened afterward were, you know, things that I will never forget. Mm. Um, and in the process of it all, I just sort of tried to just stay cool and can I curse? Oh yeah. And not be a total asshole and a bitch and, you know, and just like try not to, you know, make any decisions I was going to regret. So I just hung out and did the best I could and thought about the fans. And uh, a couple of years later, uh, 
the ex-members and I resolved our conflict and the name is mine. And, uh, so now I tour under the name cause it's mine, which is, uh, you know, I found out recently is sort of like an unprecedented occurrence in a lot of ways. Um, singers are not typically awarded the name and not many women, if any have accomplished that as well. So that's not why I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I did it because, uh, you know, I, there were a lot of people that really wanted to see Save Ferris and a lot of new people, like new fans, like young people who really loved the music and loved the band and saw the videos on YouTube and just really, you know, it brought something special to their lives. So I thought that brings something special to my life too. So, you know, let's do it. So anyway, was it a fight? over your right to play the music as well as the name? I honestly don't know. You know, I, I, I really, um, took a very, um, like, uh, more of an, uh, inactive stance. Mm -hmm. I just sort of like responded to what was thrown at me and did the best that I could. And the unfortunate, truth of the circumstance is that um, the way that it was approached was that someone was going to walk away with the name and it wasn't going to be all of us. Right. So there had to be a winner and there had to be a loser. And uh, I didn't really have a choice. I just had to stay in the fight. Um, And so, yeah, I don't really know what the fight was over, to be honest with you. All I know is that... um, you know, uh, it was I, three years, almost three years of. Yeah, like I said, I didn't know even know about this until like twenty minutes ago. But yeah. I was sort of shocked. Just I found it shocking. Just, yeah, and I think people. I mean, you know, that, well, so I have to for the listeners yeah. like, what are you guys talking about? Because I'm realizing, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Um, There's a lot I can't really say. say obviously, right. but, okay. Well, I'll um, say what I read. Okay, and you just let me know if that sounds right. Yeah. And I love your shirt. Thank you. We'll see in the photo. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're overwhelmingly stylish. Too stylish for this podcast. If this was uh, three hours ago, I would have been in a schmata (laughs) with a bathing suit and no bathing suit top, no underwear. And I I would have really scared you because I was just coming from Palm Springs. (laughs) That feels like the perfect Palm Springs outfit. Yeah. Um, So you had an opportunity to play the fair. Yeah. And you reached out to them and then... I think what I read is like didn't hear anything, and then all of a sudden they they released a statement saying this something like this this is not happening. They don't they're not giving you it's not okay for this to be happening, and like whatever you're doing is like not oh not right or not okay or like you don't have permission. Um, it just it just was so shocking to me because. I remember you guys as a super fun band from twenty years ago, and there was a guy in a bear hat. <laughs> just to see it turn so <laughs> ugly, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I think some people involved really sensationalized it, um, and it was hurtful. But then I saw like TMZ and Perez Hilton, and oh, like, I didn't know it got- all of these like huge uh, publications uh, and uh, shows. <laughs> I was like they actually know who we are (laughs) this is actually kind of great yeah and so on one hand i was horrified and hurt but then on the other hand i just kind of sat back and went hell yeah 
You're back. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, back. So let's talk about you because what I remember is you really love scary, sad clowns and chickens. Yeah. Are those I still your passions? You remember that. <laughs> but um, sadly, that's like all I remember. That's just too bad because <laughs> I think that I did the best interview. I hope it was you. <laughs> The best interview I've ever done, I think I did with you. I mean, that sounds right. Because <laughs> we did a lot of interviews we together. Did. And we got very close. I just remember that. Yeah. And um, was it the, um, was it the like female, like uh, roadside urination? Yes. Uh, that's the best interview I've ever done. Where you talked about. I gave like a step by step on how to yes, do it. Yes. Yeah. I, I do think. Yes. I think that was with you. It was like you open the car door, right? Yeah. And then hold it and kind of squat. So you totally remember. I do. You remember more back. about me than you think. Right. I know. I need to. Yeah. St- I know. I, I feel like that. Let me let me rephrase. Yeah. When I said clowns and chickens and then I said that's all I remember. It's not really all I remember. Right, I just mean right. let's just let's just let's just bring it all back. <laughs> right. So right. remind me. Yeah. Where you were born, what your family was like, your childhood, et cetera. I'll, oh, just, okay. Let's just go there. Let's do it. Um, okay. So I was born in Los Angeles at Cedars. Mm-hmm. Spent uh, you know, a few years, Pico Robertson area, where my <clears throat> extended family, who I'm very close with, still live in Los Angeles. Uh, and then my parents and my sister and I moved to Orange County, and I grew up in Garden Grove. Spent my summers here in LA you know, with my cousins and everybody. So Los Angeles is very much a part of me. I, I considered myself a, uh, you know, dual, uh, a, a, a tenant of two <laughs> towns as a child growing. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I grew up in Garden Grove. My dad worked for McDonnell Douglas for 37 years. Um, machinist very like blue collar working class family um it was like if you had a two-story house i was like oh my god i want to be you it was like (laughs) that or like a pool ah they have a pool (laughs) oh my god they're so rich but uh yeah i mean i'm so grateful to have grown up there i went to some great schools and then um and, uh, Did you go to a performing arts high school? Yeah. So what happened was, yes. It's in there. So, <laughs> yeah. So the high school I was at in Garden Grove was kind of small and they were losing a lot of their music and performing mm-hmm. arts programs at the time. And uh, I read an article about a performing arts high school in Orange County that was fairly new and uh, and it was practically free. And so I auditioned. You, you you got in on audition. I got in on audition. What did you do for your audition? Uh, probably something stupid from Les Mis or something like that. That is not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take Les Mis's name in vain. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I mean, but at that point, I had you know already been. I had already studied. I had already been studied studying classical music for you know um, probably about six or seven years um privately what did you play uh i was a singer yeah that's uh, i studied opera to sing it i know i don't sound it like sound like it right now but i i did mm. um and last night at drunken karaoke in palm spring <laughs> i definitely didn't sound like an <laughs> opera singer what song were we doing i don't know 
Tom Petty or something. Horrible, horrible. Uh, so anyway, wait, so, I must interrupt you to ask yeah. this. So you enjoy karaoke as someone who fronts a band because I never think karaoke is fun. And I've just decided, well, that's because I was in a band. So I got that out of my system or something. I don't know. But I know well, many people who love it. Well, let me just tell you, you know what? Let's touch on that at the end of my life story. Okay. Because this all comes around full circle. Perfect. But basically, um, I was accepted into the Orange County High School of the Arts. I went there and I studied musical theater. And then I wa- went to Cal State Fullerton and I studied uh, opera or music performance there. And while I was studying there, um, I, you know, all my friends were in bands. So I started going to shows and fell in love with the scene. And then eventually, you know, um, that's all she wrote, you know, <laughs> but this, the karaoke situation is really interesting because, uh, my dad loved karaoke. And so, um, you know, I uh, started playing shows again in 2013 and my dad got to see some great shows. And then while we were recording the EP, he got sick in September of last mm. year and then he died in January. And then probably about three weeks later, I was back on the road. Um, so, uh, no, I've never really enjoyed karaoke, but since my dad died, I feel like it's something I do like to honor him. You know, I like just go and sing the cheesiest, stupidest songs. I know he would have loved. Oh, that's so sweet. And yeah, the deal is usually I can't pick the song. So someone else has to pick it. Um, but it's pretty fun, you know. It's fun. And uh, yeah, so. Oh, I didn't realize story. you lost your dad that recently. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's okay. You know, I mean... Like, I don't know, I, 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 I've never lost a parent before, so, and I was really close with my dad, mm-hmm. and I really, really, really miss him. So I don't, like, I don't know how long it's going to take until things start to feel normal again, but I also know that, um, you know, uh, as long as I keep performing, I am honoring him, mm-hmm. you know? So it made him happy, and it made him happy to see me happy, and so, you know, that's... That's what I do now. So, and then I sing like Wind Beneath My Wings and karaoke <laughs> <laughs> on occasion. <laughs> you know, a little Bette Midler. Never hurt anybody. You know, Lay Miz is a good idea. I think he, he liked it when I sang uh, I Dreamed a Dream. I think <laughs> I'm going to have to find another place. Mm-hmm. I, I like to find like karaoke places where there, where there's no one, no one's in there. And then just sort of, you know, bust out with something ridiculous. If people are in there, how does that change it for you? Um, Do you feel a responsibility? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It feels like showing off a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'd rather just there be no one there, you know. Let's just all have some drinks and sing pretty songs and get it over with. Have a nice time, a little appetizer. Have you gone to karaoke in New York? Or there are probably places like that out here too, where you like rent a little room. And yeah, it's you and your friends, and you're just mm. there's so much karaoke right there. There are places out here, and I can tell you where they are because I have had a birthday party at one of those places. Yeah, 
yeah. someone who claims not to like karaoke that much. <laughs> I, it's weird. You just handed me a laminated map of all the private karaoke booths in town and then yeah. you run kara- drunkenkaraoke.com. Well, like I said, my dad loved karaoke. So, you know, like my dad was the kind of guy who had a beautiful voice, but would never sing for anybody. And then after he was sort of, he was forced into re- early retirement because mm-hmm. the, um, the shot, the, the uh, McDonald Douglas or the Boeing um, location that he was working for in, in Orange County uh, shut down. So he was forced into early retirement. And his heart was broken because he's from that school where, you know, you get a pin every 15 years and it means something. And so anyway, I was like, let's go do some karaoke. And we went to the bowling alley and, uh, and I kept taking him there until he, he got his ass up there and sang something, you know? <laughs> and then the next thing I knew, he was going to karaoke three times a week at the seediest, like, David Lynch movie type bar <laughs> you've ever seen. And my dad doesn't drink. He's never drank. So <laughs> some of these environments were hilarious. Just everybody is just, like, knocked on their asses. And my dad's just sitting there singing, like, Patsy <laughs> Klein or some shit. It's great. It was great. So, you know, I tried as much as I could to encourage him to sing. So, yeah, we, we would do karaoke as much as possible. So you said that you don't know how long it's going to take till you feel – till things feel normal again. How does it feel now? Oh, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's definitely not normal. <laughs> it's not. No. Um. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like, oh, yeah, today's going to be okay. And then sometimes I just like, I'm just like a screaming baby driving alone in my car at night. Like, ah, I can't, like, I can't, I don't even understand where it comes from, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it happens. Like, uh, we, we, most of us are going to lose our parents together, you know? And so what I realized is that it's really important to have our friends close to us because we're all going to, you know, go through it. We're all going to go through it. If I hate to say if we're lucky, but you know, I think of it from a parent's perspective and every parent I know says, you know, if I'm lucky, I'll go before my kids go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, I just, I just, I realize how important friends are and how, um, we all get to support each other through, very similar life experiences and losing our parents. And my situation was just really horrible. Like I feel like I'm still suffering from PTSD because, um, you know, it was about six months of just like a horror, it was like a horror film, you know, just watching him die. So I'm still trying to recover. What, you know? what did he, what did he have? Well, uh, it's still kind of up in the air. Um, he was diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer um, uh, and the cancer doctors were saying, you're not dying of cancer. Um, uh, but the other doctors would send him home to die of cancer. But, um, we didn't find out until much later on that he was dying of sepsis. He had an infection for mm. a very, very long time in his bloodstream. And, um, they, uh, they found the strain of bacteria that was killing him within 72 hours they got rid of that strain of bacteria i sent a text to my band and i said my dad's gonna be okay thanks for supporting me you guys i love you i'll be home soon and 
within five days he was dead. So, I mean, they told us he's never gonna he's never gonna walk out of this hospital. Like he will he will never be the same person again. Mm -hmm. So, but he literally starved to death. You know, it was yeah. crazy. It was the most crazy, crazy thing I've ever seen happen. And so, you know, you know what? Nobody gets to die gracefully. I'm sorry. It's just like growing old is just not, it's not graceful, you know? It's just dirty and ugly and, and God willing, you have a sense of humor about it because then, you know, you, you get to, you get to get out of it relatively unscathed at the end of the day. So, you know, we definitely try to keep a sense of humor. So, you know, that's the story with my dad. My dad was a funny guy. He liked poop and fart jokes a lot. And grits. Yeah, grits. I love poop and fart jokes. Mm -hmm. They're my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love them too. Yeah. That's another thing you get to do a lot as you get older. You get to poop and fart a lot more. I was thinking, yeah. so babies fart constantly. Constantly. I don't think I knew that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that in the same way I do now that I have my own and yeah. he's just farting constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of sharding at the beginning and then there's mm. like at the beginning it's all kind of one thing and then it yeah. separates and so now there's like there's poop and there's farts and the farts are constant and I was thinking I remember my, my grandma mm -hmm. farting audibly too. Right. Like, I guess it really is a beginning and end of life kind of thing. It is. Yeah. And then and you um yeah like you just like get over the embarrassment of it and just be like, yeah, I just farted. Whatever, dude. It's awesome. That was funny. I don't know if yeah. it's – I'm trying to think how I feel about the fact that one day I'll get to the point where it's just um, – like I don't even register it. Like, oh, that just happened. Versus yeah. now where I giggle and I'm like very amused by my own farts. I don't think it will ever not be funny to me. I Let's never lose that. Yeah. I just think it will – Stop being embarrassing. Yeah. You know, like the older I get. Have you ever farted on stage? I don't know. I know I've peed a little bit. Really? Yeah, I sing some really high notes. <laughs> you know? But I wear a fake ass on stage. What? I do now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm an open book. <laughs> I don't hide any. I'm not going to take credit for an ass that isn't mine. I just think it's really fun to have. Wait, is it a like nice, a, so? It's a prosthetic butt. It, well, I wouldn't give it that much credit. I bought it on Amazon, and it's you know foam, and you can put like little foam things in the like boy shorts, and then mm -hmm. you put like. And I doubled up on them foams last tour. And so you've had got a blast. four butts. Uh yeah, including yours, six that cheeks. Would, that really. would be sick. Yeah, you know, I mean, my cheeks are so small; they're sort of like a half, but. It's like I was sad. You know, you lose weight. The first things to go are your tits and your ass. And you're just like, wah. <laughs> well, but now you, you wear a fake butt on stage. Which is very, very fun. And uh, I like touching it. And that's great. Is it weird to sit on it? Or is it even like maybe more comfy? It's just weird to take myself seriously in it at <laughs> all. You know? Just like touch my ass. Go ahead, touch my ass. Touch it. <laughs> Why would I touch your ass? Just touch my ass. You know? <laughs> Can people tell? No, no. Not until they spank it. I'm like, spank it. And it literally sounds like I'm wearing a diaper. It's so <laughs> sexy. <laughs> it's awesome. Speaking yeah. of you're married. 
I am. How did you meet your husband? eHarmony. Really? Yeah. That's the one that like, it's a real, I, I, I'm yeah. right, right? It's like a whole, you have, there's a real commitment and you got to pay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't tell anybody, but I was like, I'm not dating musicians or ex-cons anymore. And I don't know how to meet normal people because I don't hang out with anybody but musicians and ex-cons. <laughs> you know not to judge but i wanted to expand my horizons into you know like sort of kind of normal ish kind of mm -hmm. you know just to see what that was like you know had you really only ever dated musicians and i didn't know about the ex-cons thing yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's about that that's it okay <laughs> <laughs> now that i think about it okay yeah where did you meet all the ex-cons in the music industry yeah yeah pretty much mm -hmm. yeah I don't know. Maybe I I just have that. I just put out that energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must be it. Yeah. Yeah. I like a good prison tat. I like a good prison tat sleeve that mm. looks just like one giant bruise. Right. Well, does your current eHarmony guy have any tattoos? He does have one. He would like to get more. Speaking of ex-cons... He would like his first tattoo to be, or his next tattoos to be on his knuckles. Oh, wow. I was like, that's, that's pretty felon fabulous. <laughs> for a, for a pretty straight laced guy, you're, you're, you're fucking hitting it hard. See, right? you really bring it out of people. I'm Maybe it is you. you. Yeah. And, you know, give, <laughs> give us six months, he will be on death row. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> I am that way with men. I just bring the best out of them. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, and it was really interesting because uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I hit that age. I was I was 33 and I was like, do I want to have kids? Do I want to get married? My parents had been married for over 50 years. And, uh, you know, I was like, I can't imagine dating somebody who isn't a musician. But you know what? Let's set some ground rules. I'm not telling anybody I'm doing this. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to give myself 15 minutes a day. And uh, and he, whoever it is, has to love music as much or more than I do. But they can't be a professional musician, you know. And there were some other things, you know, small things. Like they have to have a car. <laughs> a job would <laughs> be a nice. Tiny thing. <laughs> Self-supporting is always good. <laughs> Those were very new concepts for me. I feel so. like we dated the same kind of people. We, of course we did. <laughs> We hung out. All we do yeah. is hang out with musicians. Like, right. you were in a band. Like, that's what we did. And I'm not putting it down because I was that carless, jobless, moneyless musician as well. You know, like, I, at some nice guy decided to date me and he had a car and I didn't. You know, so I've been on both sides of the coin. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, he was my second date. Uh, I went unwillingly because I had one date and decided it wasn't for me. What happened on that first date? It was just uncomfortable. I felt really like, oh, yeah, this isn't, this is, because I'd never really been on a real date with someone before, mm -hmm. much less a blind date with someone before. And, uh I just thought it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. But uh, one of the ground rules I had set was that he had to be persistent. 
and there Did, was are these are these ground rules, like, are these things that you had told eHarmony or these were just rules among, with yourself that you had? Yeah, I had, I had written them down. Oh, okay. I literally wrote them down. He has to be persistent. Um, I wanted to f- try out a little chivalry. I had never really experienced a guy who opened the door for me or, you know, not that I like dated dicks that treated me like shit or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just like, you know, I was, you know, a woman who was like, I don't need you opening the door for me. Mm. I don't need you like that, you know. Um, but I thought let's let's try and like let's try something new. So chivalry, um, persistence, music, loving music, car, job. What else was it? Yeah, not an ex-con. Well, you know, you know, well, you know. I yeah. actually didn't write that down, <laughs> but um, it just worked out that way that he as far as I know, doesn't have a criminal record. Uh, so, um, yeah, he was persistent. And uh, it was just really, really neat. What does he do? He, well, he's very, very artistic. He does a million things. He does, um, he did window design for um, retail. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. For like a bunch of you know retail, just like the movie clothing lines. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking that, <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because um, he's artistic. He knows more about music than I do, um, like historically, uh, and we love the same music. So although he doesn't really play an instrument, you know, he could go head to head with anybody I know, any musician I know, when it comes to the history of bands that we love and, you know, story, story of, you know, rock music as we know it, which I find really, really cool. He's got a great record collection. He, um, he just does incredible things. He's just really, really talented. Um, we, he like designed, you know, our house inside and it's, he designed the couches and the everything and it's been featured in the times and it's been, it's a condo. It's like a tiny condo and it's just like so incredible inside that people want to know more about it, which is really interesting, but the same taste in art. We, uh, yeah, we have a lot in common. Yeah. I think I've, I, when I asked, what does he do? I had the sense that he does something artistic because I think I've seen a lot of art on your Instagram artistic stuff yeah he uh he and i also love art and um as a matter of fact a a friend of ours we just found out an artist friend of ours just passed away alan aldrich he passed away in february and um we have some of his pieces and it's interesting because alan really loved leon and when he gave Leon a piece of his work. He's Leon said, will you sign it? And will you personalize it? And Alan looked at him and said, but that'll, but that'll, uh, diminish the value of it. And and Leon said, I don't care, you know? So Alan wrote on there, you know, to our friendship or whatever to Leon. And so it was, you know, really sweet. And Leon and I who love art, we have a lot of artist friends. Uh, when we found out Alan died, Leon literally cried like literally started crying because you know, we have so much appreciation for 
the art form, mm-hmm. you know, music, art, clothing, fashion, all of it. So we just really surround ourselves ourselves with that all the time. And it's cool because between the two of us, we can make anything, you know, he designs our shirts. He's printed, screen printed our tote bags. He's, yeah, he's incredible. He's really, really amazing. I could go on and on about him. <laughs> he's a nice guy too. He's a mensch. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my music nerd question or mm-hmm. former music writer question. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to Checkered Past, mm-hmm. which I love. That's mm-hmm. your uh, February released EP mm-hmm. of new music. Yeah. Um, and it almost sounds more traditionally ska mm-hmm. than some of the later Save Ferris stuff. Yeah. Was that a conscious choice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the story with this EP, which is interesting because my husband and I got together before I was going to do it and we had like an art director meeting, you know, mm-hmm. where we visualized what 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 we were going to do next because it's hard when you're in a band that had gone through so much uh, change sonically and then so much time had passed. So Leon and I got together and, you know, just uh, brainstormed some of, you know, the things that like really made us excited about bringing the band back and artistically the direction we wanted it to go into. He's a huge fan of um, second wave ska. Um, he's older than I am, so he grew up during that time listening to that music and dressing in that style. Did he know who you were when you guys first went out? No. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> <sighs> um, no, he didn't. Um, so, uh, yeah. So we just thought, you know what? We can go anywhere from here. I remembered putting out the first EP, um, the Introducing Say Ferris, the Red Album, and that was like a really happy time. And we did it independently, and I thought, that was a five-song EP. This will be a five-song EP. That is, the Introducing Say Ferris is my favorite Say Ferris record. I love the way it was recorded. I love the imperfection of it. I love that it sounds young. Um, And uh, so that was my inspiration for Checkered Past. And then stylistically, we really wanted to bring in sort of like a little bit more of the second wave with a little bit more of a, you know, stylized look um, to the band and um, costumes and stuff like that. A little bit more polished. But musically... You know, I thought, I'm just like, listen, I'm just letting people know that we're back. You know, like most people, you know, thought we were never coming back. So I wanted to be able to um, engage the old fans as well as the new fans. So each song had its own identity. And... uh I wanted each song to embody the different personalities that I felt that Save Ferris had exhibited mm-hmm. through the years. And then one more song 
that represented a new sound or a new direction. And so, you know, there's a little punky, a little happy, a a little reggae, a little, you know, a little bit of all of that on there. And I really just wanted to see how the fans would react. And based on their reaction, um, that was how I was going to move forward with a full length. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when we did New Sound with Neville from the specials, uh, I thought, that's it. I'm going to do an entire full length dub ska record. (laughs) That is it. Thank you. Close the book. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, But, you know. Uh, there's so much more I want to do. <laughs> so, um, are you writing material for a full length now? Yeah. Yeah. And again, the way I approach it, uh, now is very different than I used to because, um, it's very much like, uh, it's like a painting, you know, a lot of color goes into it, a lot of shades. And, uh, I want to make, I just want to, I want it to tell a story and, uh, yeah, I just want it to be one piece. How did you, how did you used to approach it? Uh, let's just write some songs. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just, uh, yeah, let's see if, uh, anybody likes it. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. And, you know, also writing with Brian, he's, he's a great writer, you know? And so, it was scary for me to move on and write in this genre without the man who inspired me mm-hmm. to begin with, which was the guitar player for the old Safe Ferris, you know, and I really respected his writing very much. And I loved writing with him, but I just didn't know how to write this alone, you know? And so I pulled inspiration from a lot of places. Um, I would occasionally consult with uh, my band, my new band, for inspiration, and uh, they all, you know, put the work in and did great stuff with not only the writing, but the recording and the playing and all of that. But for the most part, it was, you know, a lot of responsibility for me because it's my vision, you know, and uh, so anyway, uh I spent like a, you know, almost two years, which was pretty much the duration of the lawsuit, just writing lots and lots and lots of songs with lots of different people, some by myself and some with other people and some with people you would uh, expect me to write with and some songs with people you would be like, that's weird. That's a weird choice. But like who? I don't want to say yet. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to say yet because I, you know, like... All um, right. I like the reveal. Okay. You know, I like the ta-da <laughs> at the end of the day. Like, you know, anyway. I need more of that in my life. I need more of like, I'm going to wait for the ta-da. Instead, I'm like, here's a completely unformed thing. Let me tell everyone about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, li- I live for the ta-da. That's I good. live for the it's entrance artful. and I live for the exit and I live for the ta-da. I love it. I love surprising people and I like... You know, are you good um, with secrets? Not really, not really. But I've learned that um, you know when it comes to my art. I know that sounds so that's fucking posh and weird, but 
uh, my art. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, I just, I, I really like, uh, want to formulate, um, a full sentence before I, you know, vomit it out all over, you know, mm-hmm. all over everybody. I want to just make sure it's like a fully formed right. being. That takes you know. patience. It does, but it's also really because I'm not a painter, but I can imagine that people who paint get off on, you know, picking up the brush and creating the color and putting the color on the canvas and then just knowing at that one moment when it's done. And uh, that's, I sort of get off on that. You know, I need to like find the colors and, you know, blend everything perfectly. And I like it. I like the process. I love the that. planning. I'm just, yeah. and yet I'm juxtaposing it with being a podcaster where it's like, the painterly equivalent of that would be like every week, let me show you the new brush strokes I added. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like every week you're just like vomiting what happened in your life. I mean, not a, a lot of podcasts, a lot of like, let's say NPR, very produced podcasts are full yeah. sentences. Right. But then there's right. so many that are just kind of like much more un, always unfinished. But it's I also, know. I mean, it's a different art form, you yeah. know? I mean, gardening is also an art form, you know? And the process of watching things grow is an art in itself, you know? Do so, you garden? I love to garden. I don't have a garden. I have an urban garden. Mm. I have always had urban gardens where I just take whatever window box or, you know, communal condominium area clear out the soil, I put organic soil in there and I plant lots of shit that you can use and eat. And uh, it makes me really happy. And I made a lovely frittata the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. For a bridal shower with my herbs Mm. from my box outside. And now another question out of left field um, that I hope isn't weird. Did you or do you... Are you someone who has social anxiety? Tons. Yeah. Why do you ask? Oh, did we talk about this? And I no, think we it, talked about it maybe a long time ago. May, yeah, yeah. It was a, it's like a, just a, a memory from a long time ago, yeah. but I don't know what it's attached to. But I just know Tons. that that's, yeah. And I relate oh, to yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm a huge advocate of meds. I mean, in, you know, psychiatry and psychology and therapy. Yeah. I went. I went a long time trying to fight it. I did like everything I could. I was, I cut out sugar. I cut out caffeine. I was a raw foodist. I studied with Bikram. I did yoga five days a week. I had a guru. I And this meditated. was, these were attempts to quell the anxiety? Quell the anxiety and depression because, you know, an after effect of the anxiety that's untreated is depression. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that if you don't treat anxiety and, uh, you know, you have it for a long time, it's eventually going to make you depressed. Right. Chemically. So, yeah. So it took me a really long time until I was just sort of like uh, completely on my knees. And I was like, okay, I will take medication. <laughs> but I was uh, I was really knocked down before I gave in. And it's the best decision I ever made. Can I ask what you take? Uh, I take a really lovely cocktail, um, because when you've been, you know, medicated for a long time, you have to go back often Mm -hmm. and readjust. And, uh, 
I I take a lot of stuff. <laughs> I take four different meds basically, and uh, it it doesn't sound normal when I say it, but everybody I know remembers a time when I was not normal. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of my best friends I was just talking to the other day, and she was like, "Yep, I remember a time where you just couldn't even function. You could barely talk." And I don't, I don't remember being that person, but um, I remember feeling like I was that person, but I didn't realize that I was – That giving, everyone could see that it. That everybody could see it. Yeah. But everybody could see it. Did you so. have trouble performing back then? No, that's the only thing that I feel normal doing in life really, which is really weird. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. It's not that – and you know what it is? It's not that I – uh, even approach it like all these people are looking at me, yay me. When I go out there, I don't, it's almost like, a, um, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like me having a very safe interchange with people in mm-hmm. which I'm just like showing them how much I think they're awesome and how much I love them. It sounds kind of stupid, but no, it makes a very safe environment. Yeah, it's like very structured. It's very clear what everyone's role is. It is, yeah, yeah. Um, And the small, the smaller shows have actually are actually easier for me. Oh, okay. Um, Which is also interesting for someone who has anxiety because um, when you play huge shows, it doesn't look like people, so it's it's really not anxiety inducing. Um, but I've really, I think lately I've really enjoyed playing smaller stages for smaller audiences. Um, it's just very, um, real. I think big stages give me anxiety too, because it's like a lot of running in heels. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do with all this space. (laughs) You know, it's just like shit. (laughs) So, but yeah, I, I think I, you know, I, I really had so much fun on the last tour. I've, oh, I loved, I loved it. Do you, for it. do you consciously, I mean, I guess you just kind of answered this question I'm going to ask of, mm-hmm. I was gonna say, do you consciously think about like how to use all that space on stage? But I guess you yeah. must. Yeah. Uh, I think I have this idea that like when one performs, it's just this wild abandon and like your body just does things and you're not aware of it. Yeah. Like, of course that's not really what it is. Cause I remember when I played guitar, I was like, I don't like, all the guitar players that I admire move around a lot and I yeah. just stand here and I know that that's not what I should be doing, but I don't know. I don't know how to be moving appropriately because right. I really just want to like look and make sure I'm playing the right note. Yeah, no, I get it. And I know that in my twenties, I, 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 I wouldn't look at a huge stage and go, Oh shit, you know, and like get, get all freaked out. Like mm-hmm. what am I going to do with all this space? I just had the most, <laughs> the most ridiculous thought. It's that moment when you're dating a new guy and he pulls his pants down and you're like, oh shit, what am I going to do with that? It's like that when I see a huge stage. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to put that in me. (laughs) (laughs) So you're preferring the smaller stages lately. They're more manageable. Yeah. uh, But no, I mean, we do do both, you know, but, um, but it's neat. I've, I, uh, again, you know, conceptualizing, conceptualizing the show, for me as a body of work, I decided I just really wanted each person that came to the show to feel like they had their own 
experience that no one else is ever going to have. And I wanted everybody to leave feeling special in that way, you know? Um, and so with the smaller shows, it, it uh, worked with my equation because I got to interact in a more personal way mm -hmm. with each person. And uh, so for the larger shows, I have to rethink, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the show and how am I going to do that? Cause I'm, you know, I, I, I don't like a perfect show and I don't like a perfect sound. I, it's like when you're watching SNL and somebody breaks character, <laughs> starts laughing. Those are like the best moments ever, but you're not supposed to do that, but it happens. And the reason why we love it is because it's real and it's unscripted and it's unplanned. And that's our moment. Mm -hmm. You know, you just gave me that moment. That's mine. And no one else is going to have that moment. So that's sort of the thing with the live, with the, with the, a large stage is a part of me feels the responsibility to have a more polished show. But then there's the other part of me that's like, you know, fuck it. You know, mic stand falls. Oh, well, you know, that's just part of the whole thing. So, I mean, I think maybe you should fart on stage. I think, I think. Pyrotechnics are in order. Or that. You I combine think, them. Well, you know, I have been known to have my way on the bus with uh, a little night music from my ass <laughs> and a lighter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I can definitely, you know, that's a really good idea. I can make that happen. You're welcome. Yeah. So you tour in a bus? Yeah. Do you sleep on the bus? Yeah. Do you like this? Love. Really? Yeah. And did you like it in the old days too? Yeah. As soon as I got back on that bus, I was like, I'm home. I'm never going back. <laughs> you know, I mean, and everything I was going through with losing my dad and a number of other things that I was experiencing, you know, having a new business and being the sole owner of this business and all of that responsibility and where am I going to get the money to pay for this fucking bus? Like, and is everybody getting paid? And who, you know, mm -hmm. how is payroll? And da, 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 da. Do we have insurance? Shit like that. But amidst all of it, I was like, this is the best time of my life. It, it's like, I'm never going back. So I don't care. Like if, if nobody wants to see Safe Ferris anymore, I'll be a road manager or some shit. Like I just want to, be around musicians and, you know, be on the road. I love it. I think we should do a segment called Just Me or Everyone. But first I want to say, you guys, um, I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you do you know Patreon. You crowdfunded the EP though, right? Through Pledge. Yes. It's, yeah. it, it's Pledge similar music. to that. It's like oh, a, it um, well, I actually, I said that without exactly knowing what Pledge music is. I'm going to guess it's similar in that it's sort of like Kickstarter, but you can support artists or podcasters on an ongoing oh, monthly very cool. basis. Um, so it's either like by project or by month. So for yeah. something like a podcast, it's by month. So there's different reward levels and there's a level where you can get bonus episodes each month. There's a level where you have access to an interactive live video stream. There's a level where you get merch in the mail, all sorts of fun stuff. Check that out. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. Okay. So just mirror every, oh my God, this happens on 
this for the last three podcasts, I've been just marinating in an explosive dog fart, and it's happening right now. And I don't know if you guys at home can smell it. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Jeff and Monique uh, can smell it, but holy Was shit, that me? No. Was that you? What? Was what? The the fart. Oh, no. It's my... Oh, did I not say it was my dog? Well, you said it was a dog fart, but you I don't see a, a dog. Dude. Oh, she's under... She's got to be under me. Monique just knows you very well. Yeah, I, I'm just like, like... Oh, you're still using yeah. the dog farted cover. Yeah. Oh, dude. now you have a dog. Right. right. It helps yeah. with the plausibility. No, she's, yeah. she's under my chair. Yeah. My favorite is the barking spiders. Uh, excuse. I like that one. <laughs> barking spiders. Sure. Uh, okay. Anyway, so, yeah, so, so I apologize if you smell mm-hmm. something. I swear it's Wendy. Yeah, yeah, I promise. You just totally. listen to the last few episodes because totally it keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Happens. It's how I know the podcast is going to end soon. Okay. Um, this is where people <laughs> write in with things they think or they do and they wonder, is it just me? Is it everyone? And we talk about it. And there's a song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Or everyone. Okay. Jessica Lee says, hate it when I get up and get in the shower before the alarm goes off. Um, hashtag just mirror everyone. Hashtag sleeping boyfriend. Hashtag wet fingers. I hate when my husband gets up and then his alarm goes off. And his alarm is still next to his bed. Mm. Although I usually get up earlier. So yeah, I think I think, yes, I hate that. It doesn't happen that often, but... Uh, no one likes when an alarm is going off in another room. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Mm-mm. We're in agreement. Yeah. Uh, Lauren Hadley says, when my GPS tells me the time I will arrive at my destination, I view it as a challenge to beat that time. <laughs> <laughs> I just accept because I, I, it's rare that you can beat ways. Maybe she's using a different GPS, but I just accept that like, oh, that's when I'll be showing up, if not I, later. I accept that there are times if I need to be, say I need to be here at three, if yeah. it says 301, which is fine, that's yeah. acceptable, but yeah. I'm always like, I'm getting that down to three. Right. Because Waze will update, so I might I might gun it a little harder than I normally would. I'm, right. I'm like that too. Yeah, if I can get it down to yeah. three, I'd be like, ah, shoot you. And like you do too. it by driving fast or by overruling how it tells you to get there? Both. But when you overrule it, that's the worst. That's like, the worst. I'm smarter than you. Yeah, right. you don't want to overrule yeah. the ways because the the ways will sh- will it, it will destroy you. If ways don't ever tells ways. me to take this is this is hyper local now. Mm-hmm. If ways ever tells me to take Highland, though, I overrule that because Always. I do not want to go going north on Highland yeah. is a miserable experience. Miserable. Yeah. And Waze always, not always, but often suggests it. Well, I mean, but maybe like north of Santa Monica, Highland gets nasty, you know, but then like it wants you to go, you know, north on Highland. It does. And then turn right on Santa Monica. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting way too deep. (laughs) (laughs) Waze will have you drive through a full children's swimming pool to save 30 seconds. (laughs) It's merciless. All right. Laura Craycraft says will not go to full service station as they do not put the gas cap on the designated holder on gas door. I mean, uh, first of all, where are you that you have the option of going to a full service station? I know in New Jersey they have that, and I think in Oregon? Yeah, I think Oregon. Where you can't, f- but you can't, like there's certain states where you can't fill your own gas, right. or certain cities, right? Yeah, Jersey's all full serve. 
It is. Mm-hmm. I'm tempted wow. to drive there just that. to get gas. Oh, I know yeah, people that do it. I, no. <laughs> from here? Oh, my well, God. Not from here, from, from Philadelphia. I keep a bottle of hand sanitizer in my car solely for the purpose of sanitizing after I have my hand on that. Smart. That gas pump. Yeah. And what, what social contract did I agree to where I get yelled at by Jimmy Fallon bits at like 20 decibels while I'm <laughs> right. filling up my gas? Like what, that's like, when that's did like, I agree to that? Like taxi TV. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That's funny. Uh, okay. Sebastian Stoker says, as a kid, I always thought someone who ate human flesh was a quote unquote cannonball. I Aww. love that. I did not, but I'm sure there's other people out there who thought that. That's cute. Keith Hepworth says, can't go ice skating because I might fall down and lose digits when another skater runs over my fingers. I can't even read that without cringing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can go ice skating. Yeah. I enjoy ice skating. I don't do it very often. But um, but yeah, that's a horrifying thought. Mm-hmm. It is. Where are you with ice skating? Do you enjoy it? Do you go? I have not done much of it, but I like skating. I like roller skating. Mm. I love roller skating. Do you roller skate often? Not so often anymore, but I used to. A lot. Yeah. I really prefer ice skating to roller skating. Really? Yeah, because I think that roller skating, it's funny. As a kid, oftentimes other kids I went to school with have their birthday parties either at a roller skating rink or an ice skating rink. Ah. So there was a while where I was like, I was super into both. Yeah. Uh, And then at a certain point, I realized roller skating feels too... Um, too scary to me, actually. Ice skating, I feel like I can control myself. Really? Better, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the thing, uh, so, I mean, when you're ice skating, you're on two little blades. I know, but when you're roller skating, you're on eight wheels. That's a lot of support. That's a lot. I guess. I I see what you're saying. But with roller skating, it's like someone could push you and you're going to go far. You have to like, to move on ice skates, you have to, propel yourself yeah. i think that's what yeah. it is whereas with roller skating you're not on anything sturdy yeah we didn't have a lot of ice skating rinks in or and where i grew up in orange county a lot of roller skating yeah. a lot of roller skating birthdays skate barn uh skateway okay we had skateway there uh, the ice skating rink was ice capades in costa mesa i think by licorice pizza record store oh i don't know what's there now and i also don't even quite know where it was Licorice pizza. Wow. Monica Favre, she writes in, she's written in before, and I think I should know how to pronounce her last name. I'm going to guess it's Favre and Monica, I'm sorry. says, terrified of horror movies, but have to devour the entire Wikipedia plot summary. This, I do this all the time. I don't like, you like horror movies, right? Yeah. In addition to liking clowns, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um, I have, I scare easily. There's a lot of stuff I don't watch for that reason. And yet I will go and I'll read all about it and then I'll freak myself out that way. Really? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so stupid. Like, are you watching Handmaid's Tale? I am. I made it through one episode. It was too upsetting. Although I, it's so well done. I know. Wow. Wow. So it really, so you're very sensitive. To I that really kind am. Of stuff. I am. Some people are. And that's totally it's okay. okay. I feel I feel your judgment. Yeah, it's I'm not fair. Judging. I'm not no, judging. it's I it's so like, I know it's so well done, I but feel it was sad just, for you. You're missing out on so much. I great know. Shit. I've never <laughs> seen The Shining. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Poltergeist? No, hell no. I saw Skeleton Key, and I wish I hadn't. 
what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Like, the Exorcist. You actually saw that? Did that traumatize you yes. as a child? That's what I did was, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I was I was oh. heading down a path of seeing that many of them anyway. But right. I was at a slumber party. I was twelve, which is the age that she was in the movie. I think. Uh, and I barely watched it. I like hid under a blanket the entire time, but the sound is so horrible. It's such a huge part of that movie that just hearing it almost made it worse. And it did traumatize me. Yeah. I also was fairly traumatized by Sybil, which is not even a horror movie. I love that movie. Is it campy? Like, I wonder if I could go see it now and not feel creeped out by it. That's a good question. Cause I think when you're a kid, campiness is lost on you. Yeah. I don't think that's a campy movie. I think, I remember that being a like a dark seventies movie. Oh, I love that. It's Super been debunked, dark. by the way. It's not like it never happened. Well, they said it was a true story, right. and then it turns out that it was partly part, true. parts of it were true, but parts of it absolutely were not. So yeah, that was uh, a horrifying. I'm movie. gonna have to read up on that because I loved that movie as a kid. I was obsessed with weird shit. It didn't freak you out at all. No, no, yeah. I mean, I also just love the art of acting, too. And I, I just remember thinking, God, she's a good actress. That's um, good. So you, ha- you had the ability to like have that distance. I just In a way. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I like horror movies. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? That's a good question. I just remember... <sighs> I remember seeing, like, they came out with some unseen footage of The Exorcist and uh, premiered it at, like, El Capitan or something like that years ago. And so I got to see it on the big screen. And there was a scene in there where she comes down the stairs, like, uh, bent backwards, kind of Mm -hmm. like a spider. She's like crawling down the stage. It's so creepy. And that was a really scary. Uh, that was a really scary moment for me. I feel and, frightened just hearing about yeah, it. And the fact that that movie all these years later could scare the shit out of me. I was just like, it holds its own. It's pretty good. But yeah. like, do you then go home and feel creeped out and need to keep the lights on or anything? Or does it just, it, it scares you and that's it? Uh, it just makes me, I just go like, that's creepy. That's really creepy. And then, yeah, I don't, I don't really get scared. I envy you know that. It is? I don't know. I mean, listen, you know what you need to do? Hmm. You need to call your friends that are, that do like, like uh, movie makeup and special That's effects. True. <laughs> you need to go out and get on the set with them and like see how funny it really is because it's, it's not real. And as much as they want to say it's real or it's a true story, we know they're only, you know, giving us a tiny bit of, what really happened. Most of it is sensationalized. I was cast in a horror. I think it was a short. Mm -hmm. Um, It was going to be like a one day shoot and it was kind of far away. And the scene, what it uh, was like in a haunted, uh, a haunted mansion attraction. Yeah. I believe, which I don't like to go in those because I scare too easily. Right. right. Uh, My, the last time I went in one, I remember thinking, I literally, and I'm not using literally, literally in the incorrect way. I literally, truly almost shit my pants. Yeah. And I thought that's... You, you literally scared yourself to death. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I thought that's where that phrase comes from. Because it scared me so much, I thought I was going Gonna to die. shit my pants. Oh. Scared the shit out of you. Exactly. Yeah. 
And and I don't even think I went in. <laughs> I think I just had this reaction by standing outside of it. Yeah. So anyway, I they ended up not making the movie, but I was thinking even though there's a script and it's acting and it's not real, I hope I can handle this. Yeah. I'm just really suggestible, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Like I can sit here and talk myself into uh, oh, I am very jumpy, but I can sit here and talk myself like right now I feel creeped out. Right. <laughs> I I just I could just go there. I don't know why. Yeah. I wish I wasn't I, I, this way. I, guess, I think it's, I don't really believe in anything. I don't either though. At all. Okay. Like I don't believe in anything. I was just trying to think like, why am I not scared? And it's because I don't believe anything's real ever. You pray to God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like whatever that is, you know, <laughs> is that was that sort I of felt like, like crossing was, your fingers. Like it was, hope. it yeah. was like that one moment where I was like, I think this is what you're supposed to do in mm-hmm. this situation where you're. So scared, you are literally going to shit your pants. You're like, God, uh, I don't know if you exist or who you are or what that even fucking means, but let's make a deal. So, yeah, I will see. The thing is, I don't really believe in anything either. And yet, it's always supernatural type stuff that scares me a lot. A lot of like body snatching or people being possessed or being inhibited yeah. and See, I don't believe in any of that I shit. don't either but it scares yeah. me but I think it just taps into like I think as a kid adults who were unpredictable mm-hmm. scared me a lot situations I, that are unpredictable and I think that that's what that taps into the idea that like yeah. someone turns around and you expect them to be one person and suddenly they're different right my, um, like you know those Snapchat filters where they distort your face yeah my husband can't see those really he cannot he will not. I like. I. I thought he was kidding at first. So I'd be like, "Look at this. Look at me with no forehead." And he'd be like, "I'm serious. I told you not to show that to me. I am serious." Freaks him out. Isn't that weird. Can he watch horror movies? Yeah. And yet that that well, that's interesting because I would think that those would go hand in hand, wouldn't you? Not liking, not being able to handle distortion. Yeah. And not being able to handle horror movies. Yeah, you would think. But I'd be wrong. Yeah. Good thing I didn't put money on it. Okay. Uh. Julia says, I always wonder if celebrities get stressed out when they check Twitter and have thousands of notifications. <laughs> we do. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's interesting. I think if you have a policy of like you, you are going to respond to each and every one, then yes, you would get overwhelmed. But otherwise, probably no. Um, I, I get overwhelmed just with emails. Just at all of it. I find Facebook overwhelming because somehow there I I never understand I never know where the messages are anymore. Like it used to be yeah, fairly straightforward, but now true. there's Messenger, yeah, and I'll go into something and I'll be like, oh, there's there were twelve messages that I hadn't read, and they're from two years ago. What, yeah, you're so right. It's weird because then there's yeah, there's all these hidden folders, right? Too, of like yeah, that right, is, like yeah. message requests. But in Instagram, yeah. there's that too. There, there is. can be hidden messages too. Yeah. I don't like that. Bruised by Dawn says, all these people celebrating their Kentucky Derby victory, and I'm wondering what the horse thinks. Um, <laughs> this is similar to my, when, and by the way, I'm of course in favor of neutering and spaying your pets. However, what would a dog say? I suspect they wouldn't be as excited by it. They might not feel it's as humane as we do. Hmm. Or do they have this sense of just, you know, they're very zen. Like, it is what it is. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I would. one would hope. One would hope. One would hope. 
maybe they're happy about not having the burden of having to take care of eight puppies. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Like, well, maybe just it's like a how, free pass for them. Right. Yes. Right, like how I know plenty of men who are like, I'm just going to get a vasectomy so I don't have to deal with it. Right. That Maybe that's how they feel. Maybe. Yeah, we do. <laughs> My husband is convinced mm. that Wendy, aforementioned farting dog, has a maternal instinct. And... uh I don't know. I, I, it's a nice idea. That's possible. She's she seems she seems a lot happy. I mean, she's a happy dog, but she seems a lot happier since the baby showed up. She really does. Oh, that's sweet. She I really think does. I like that. I think it's probably just that now her pack is bigger because they're social animals. Oh, I mean, if we're going to ascribe things to them, that's what I'm going to guess it is. But, but maybe she has maternal instinct. But technically, that would make her happier. Yeah, so she is happier. When I was a kid, we had a dog that that had been fixed and it was a, a female dog that had never had kids. And then we had a stray cat that came in and had kittens inside and she started taking care of the kittens. Mm. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So it can happen. I love those kinds of stories. Interspecies baby raising. I have that's that. Pretty. I have that book called unlikely friendships. Oh yeah. It's right by my toilet. <laughs> I look at it while I poo and it makes me happy. <laughs> Monique, it was so much fun catching up. Likewise. I loved having you on the show. It's great being here. Tell everyone where they can find you and what they should look for and et cetera. Plug all your stuff. Okay. Uh, well, um, you can see us on the Warp Tour this summer. We're doing all six weeks. The first date is in Seattle on June uh, 14th or 16th. Ah. Uh. I will tell you. Uh, other bands on the tour. Guar. Oh, wow. The Adolescents. Anti-Flag. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Um, but yeah, uh, the last show is in Pomona on August 6th. And the first show is in Seattle on June 16th. We will be out for all six weeks. Come and see us. We're on the main stage. And uh, on the Journeys stage. And I'm also going to be, I think I'm going to be doing a, a similar to the program that you were talking about earlier, the um, where people can subscribe. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be doing something like that on Warped Every Day um, for fans. Cool. Like that. So you can find us on Facebook. Just say Ferris. Say Ferris.com. See Ferris on Facebook. There's only one, and that's us. <laughs> and if they want to get Checkered Past, it's probably on Amazon. It's on yes. Amazon. I'll mm-hmm. have it's a on link iTunes. in the episode yeah. summary. Yeah, iTunes, Amazon, Target. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then are you on Twitter? Do you want to do, do you want people to follow you on Twitter? Uh, safe, or any social safe, media? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Safe Ferris uh, has a Twitter page. I think it's just Safe Ferris, Safe Ferris One or something like that. I never go on there. <laughs> okay. Well, then maybe not. But that's everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Find you. you can find us everywhere. Honestly, just Google Safe Ferris Twitter and you'll find us. Perfect. Yeah. Jeff, where do we go to find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYNBF. And we're on Facebook. Uh, it's just facebook.com slash the Allison Rosen. And for the longest time, I was like, because someone else took Allison Rosen. And then I realized 
it was me. <laughs> I, I also have that one. But go to the Allison Rosen. That's the page I use more often. Um, thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen. Here's your new best friend